Hello, 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 and welcome to Spiritpreneur School, where spirited entrepreneurs connect. I am Abiola Abrams, your sacred bombshell business dean. <laughs> I just made that up, but I love it. Um, and today we have a really, really exciting, empowering, and epic session for you. First, I'm going to tell you about our sponsors, and then I'm going to introduce our esteemed guest, and then we're going to get all going. Okay, so we are sponsored today by Cheeked. Cheeked reimagines online dating with a new app that makes misconnections obsolete. Cheeked, that's C-H-E-E-K-D, uses a cross platform, low energy, Bluetooth technology, which fosters hyper local engagement. Now, all of that fancy stuff means that Cheeked is the place to hook up with really, really cute people who are in your vicinity. The app connects people in real time versus virtual time. Connections begin in person and Cheeked helps take you to the next step and continue the conversation online. We're also sponsored today by the Sacred Business Academy's Become the Guru Bootcamp. The name says it all. Become the Guru Bootcamp is a seven-week intensive specially designed to position you as a respected guru in your field. Become the Guru Bootcamp is about you achieving guru status as a superstar influencer in your niche so that you can increase your expert status and raise your profile online, build your client and customer base, grow your community and tribe, and make a difference in the world. You can find out about that at sacredbusiness.academy. Now, let me tell you about today's Spiritpreneur School guest. We are in the house with Ms. Lori Cheek, who is usually in New York City uh, by way of the Soho House, but she is broadcasting from Kentucky today. Lori Cheek is the founder and CEO of Cheat. Prior to launching Cheat, she worked in architecture, furniture, and design for 15 years for such companies as Christian Dior. Yeah. She has a multiple multitude of different interests, but we know her most prominently from being featured on Shark Tank and her entrepreneurial prowess and lessons, which she brings here with us today. Welcome, Lori. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here and broadcasting from Kentucky. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> now, Lori, were you recently married? I'm going to get in your business before we begin. Were you married recently? I never made it down that aisle. You didn't make it yet. We'll say yet. Well, not that aisle with the person that I was engaged to, so I was okay. engaged. Okay, okay, because I saw, when I was doing my research, I saw a, a wedding registry. Oh, interesting. I, mean, or, I feel like yeah. I need to find that and remove and it. Delete it. I'll tell or you I'll after. I'll still take the gifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, more excitingly, there is a relaunch in the works of Cheeked. Can you please tell us what Cheeked used to be, what Cheeked is now, and a little bit about that exciting journey, my sister? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I was in architecture and design for 15 years, and I had a light bulb moment about seven years ago. So I was out to dinner with another architect, he was a friend, and I'd excused myself from the table, and when I came back, he'd scribbled on the back of his business card, want to have dinner, and he slid that to a woman as we were leaving the restaurant. And I remember looking back thinking, I know he just slid a business card to this girl, but it was someone that he was interested in, he didn't go up and 
inter interrupt their conversation with her dining companion. I just thought it was an intriguing way to hand a stranger a note that said, I want to see you again. But the awkward part of that was that it was his business card that he was using for dating. So I immediately started brainstorming how to take the business out of the business card. And two years later, I launched Match.com. Uh, match <laughs> I launched Cheek.com, which I was hoping was going to be the next Match.com. Anyway, so you could capture these strangers with a, with a deck of cards, and they said funny things on them, like, I just put all my drinks on your tab, or there was one that said, I'm hitting on you. There was one that said, act natural, we can get awkward later. That was my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, but that was the favorite in the whole deck. So um, each card had a unique code. So if I had slipped you a card, you could type in that code on the Cheeked website and find the profile of the person that had slipped you the card. So it was a privacy-protected way of handing someone this note for dating, not for business. And um, yeah, I built that thing for four years with all my power and might. I struggled, I hustled, and I... Um, it was definitely a journey, but I realized at some point that I needed some help. So that's when I took that journey down that hallway of the Shark Tank. Now, Lori, <laughs> that's what kind I of a longer story, but uh, now I've got this new app. So yes. there was this uh, vortex that kind of sent me pivoting my business into this new mobile app where you don't have to slip people cards anymore. The app kind of does the, the wingman work for you based on this Bluetooth connection. So... Now, anyone in a 30-foot radius that comes near you on a plane or a train, you don't have to have an internet connection or a cellular signal. It just says you just missed a connection with Matt, and then I could open up Matt's profile, and if we both decide to get cheeky, then we can start chatting. I so that's a short that. version. I love that. So they have to be kind of nearby. So it's not like, can you see the person and then kind of walk away and then send them the little shout out? Yes, you can. So I think the, the neat thing about this app, and I use uh, New York City as a perfect example, like in your morning commute, these trains, you see the same people all the time. And in the New York City subway, it's the last place where you're going to get picked up on by someone pretty normal because people rarely try breaking the ice in the subway. It's just it's 8 o'clock in the morning. It's crowded. It's awkward. And, <laughs> yes. And most people think you're crazy if you start talking to them in the subway. Um, it happens from time to time, but it's rare. So this way, when you get out of the train, everyone else that was on that app that you passed in the stairwell that was on the train with you, it could even be a passing train, They'll you'll capture their profile on the Cheeked app, and then you can chat with them later. You can get cheeky with them immediately. And then it even tells you how many times you've crossed that person. So if it's happened 20 times in a month, I think there's something to, to look at there. I love this. I think that it sounds to me really cute and a really kind of a more accessible thing than like a Tinder, you know, like it feels like kind of like a fun flirty way, but you're just taking it digital if you're feeling a little bit shy and you see someone that you kind of like. Is that the feedback you've been getting? Yes, and you know, I think the other thing is, like, let's say I'm sitting at dinner with you right now, and mm -hmm. the love of my life could be right behind me, and maybe I'm never going to see him, but if he's on the app, I would get a notification right now that I've missed this guy. That means he's right here right now. So this is not online dating. This is not someone that's 100 feet away. This is someone that's here. So 
he could be sitting at the end of the bar and I don't see him, but the app will alert you that this guy, this hottie is in the room and maybe you can say, hey, look at three o'clock because there's someone that's interested in you or you can say, I'm gonna send you a drink. I mean, there's lots of ways that you can break the ice via this app, but it's all about right here, right now. And this is trying to be the, the what I say, the IRL dating app. So it's the in real life dating app. So this is not swiping in your bed looking for strangers this is <laughs> what's around you so pay attention oh i love that so they don't have to you don't have to have like sent them a little nudge or that it just automatically tells you whoever's in the room like these exactly. are all the people who have the app who are in the room yes and it, with your filter so i'm looking for a man between 20 and 80 it'll give right. me it'll <laughs> alert me when they come by Okay, very cool, very cool. So people can go download that on their iTunes. It's an iTunes app, or is it iTunes only right now? But uh, we'll we'll get there with Android. Baby steps. You will, and I believe you. <laughs> Let me just tell people, Lori, about your tenacity and your persistence and your courage, which I feel are like the greatest lessons that you have to teach. That when I saw your, by the time I saw your Shark Tank episode, I already was very familiar with you because um, as a columnist and as a coach that the first place where um, I had my strong footing was in the love and relationship world that was the first space that i was in and you had reached out to me a number of times you were very much on social media hitting up the people who were in that space which was awesome and being like here's what i've got check this out here's an event that i had it seemed like you were always having these great parties and these wonderful things i had seen your cards um in like gift bags or that sort of thing because you sponsored like a number of events and so you had you were establishing what i like to tell my spiritpreneurs to establish preeminence in your space and so by the time you came across my tv screen on my one of my favorite shows i was like yay there's my girl Lori <laughs> from twitter who's like always you know talking about cheeked and all of the wonderful things that she's been doing in the beginning did you plan from the beginning for social media to be a part of your getting the word out about your marketing you know, when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. And I, as I mentioned, I came up with that idea seven years ago. And I even remember thinking, okay, I'm going to get everybody on Facebook on my cheeked business with the cards. And at that point, I had like 250 friends. And like, what is that? That's nothing. That's no reach. And I, I don't even think I had a Twitter handle when we first started out. And we got covered in the New York Times two and a half months after I launched. And if I had had Twitter, I mean, it was the biggest traffic day of my business before the Shark Tank. I would have done anything to read the stream of the New York Times article, but uh, I didn't even have it back then. So, uh, yeah, I, I've learned lots of lessons and the power of social media. So I, I do my own, clearly, and I found <laughs> you. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about Shark Tank. Can you tell us, just tell us about the entire Shark Tank experience? Because it's easy for us, you know, people sitting on their sofas to look and be like, oh, well, I would do this and I would do that. But they don't know what they would do if they were standing there in front of, you know, these 
Uber sharks pitching their baby, basically saying, here's my baby, you know, accept my baby. Tell us right. about your Shark Tank journey. So for, for years, everybody kept saying, this is such a perfect product for the Shark Tank. I mean, even before I'd hit a wall with finances. And finally, one year, a girlfriend of mine that I also met on social media that lived in Dallas, Texas, sent me the link and she said, Lori, apply for the Shark Tank. They're accepting applications. I clicked on the link. I did it right then. I feel like it took 10 minutes and I'm just like, okay, done. What were the so, questions like? Was it like... It was so long ago. I don't even remember. I think okay. the first time you apply, it's pretty basic information. That was two and a half years ago, probably. Yeah. Anyway, that was done. I just went about my day. I kind of forgot about it. And then I think a couple months later, I got that phone call from LA. I saw the 310 area code. And whenever I get a call from there, I know it's something exciting. It's like usually TV related or a reality <laughs> yeah. television show wanting to do something about me. So I picked up and they said, hello, this is so-and-so from ABC Shark Tank. I started screaming. <laughs> I had pretty much forgotten I had done that application. So that was really exciting. And from that point, it took a year until my episode aired. But they said, we're interested in getting a video from you. So I ended up spending a lot of money to get a professional video made, which you don't have to. But if I was going to do this, I wasn't going to do it halfway. Like, I don't do anything halfway. So I made this awesome video. I sent it in. What was the video? So, you know, the weird thing is you can't share that video and it's disappointing because it's really awesome. Um, but it was basically your pitch to the sharks. You were going to tell them how much you'd made. It's, it's pretty much like a five minute story of your business okay. and why you're looking for this money and what you're going to do with it. Okay. So, uh, but it was funny and, uh, yeah, it's a shame I still can't share that to this day, but <laughs> Anyway, uh, they ended up calling me back, seems like a month later, and they said, we're going to keep moving forward with you. And they sent me this application again, which was seemed like 50 pages. So I had to print out this document, and you had to handwrite every answer with ink. And there's like no eraser mate involved. If you made a mistake, you had to wad it up, reprint the page, and handwrite the whole thing all over again. I mean, that thing took a week you know I went into a hole and focused on getting this thing done so many questions I didn't even know what a few of the questions meant and I had to get lawyers involved talking about trademarks patents uh, just partnerships uh, legalities if I'd ever been in a lawsuit I mean it was insanity okay so then it sounds like later, the, the application Lori was a business education by itself oh absolutely you. I mean I got so smart about my business in the end of it Anybody could ask me anything. So then I made it to the next step. And then you think you're done with this application. So then they send you another 25 pages. I'm like, when is this going to end? And you know, the funny thing is I had a partner back then who's not my partner anymore. And when I told him I've got this 50 page application for the shark tank, he looked at me and said, yeah, this is ridiculous, Lori. 50,000 people apply to get on the show. There's no chance you're going to get on there. And I was like, huh? Oh, he sounds I'm like a Lori Cheek person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is one of these lessons I've learned about a partner. You need people around you that say, yes, let's go. Let's do this. And the fact that he said no to helping me do this, I mean, the irony is I made it on the show out of however many applicants there were. 
So fi finally he broke down and helped me a little bit with some of it. Um, and I swear that application process just kept coming at me. I, every time you thought you were done, you'd have to do more. And then, then I started practicing the pitch. And they, the, through this whole process, they keep telling you, you're not guaranteed to go on this show until you're sitting in front of the television watching yourself on TV. So through all of this, you don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, finally I got that phone call and they were going to book my flights to LA. And I'm like, okay, awesome. But they kept saying, you still don't know. Because they send tw uh, twice as many people out there to film than actually air. So even when you've gone in front of the sharks, you still don't know if you're going to go on the air or not. So um, yeah, it was all very exciting. And I remember flying out there. I have I've felt like I couldn't speak the three days before I was going onto the shark tank. I was terrified and you know I've been on I've done videos I've been on the news and I've done public speaking for the past five years but there was something about walking in front of them that had me almost paralyzed and I even remember that morning thinking I've got to do some kind of shots or something but I've got this southern accent and I didn't want to sound drunk so <laughs> I remember I had a glass of wine and it did not help Anyway, so it's my turn to walk down this aisle, and my heart was beating in my throat, and I was worried the words weren't going to come out of my mouth, and if you, saw, you see me talking now, if you saw my presentation on the Shark Tank, people were tweeting, the cheek robot needs to blink or breathe, because I went on autopilot. I don't even remember doing it, but the words came out, and I think I was just, I was terrified. Anyway, I was just happy that I said the pitch like the I didn't thing, yes. yeah <laughs> and that's where yeah, your however, preparation came in right, Thank, thankfully you put in I didn't have any character in it it wasn't me you know I wasn't funny I was just like saying the words and I don't know I just don't think it looked very good and people were making fun of me on Twitter but I'm like whatever <laughs> so if it um, was easy everyone would do it that's true. And I just think it's an, an honor to even get that far. I mean, out yes. of that many people applying, I'm like, this is awesome. And I didn't necessarily think I was going to get an investment from the Sharks because my numbers were pathetic. And I didn't care. I wanted to go on that show anyway. There could have been someone in the audience watching. Mm -hmm. You never know who was going to see my story and my mission and what I was dreaming of doing. So um, That Lori, you literally had millions of dollars of advertising not only for your product but for you as a brand as well that you know I'm a visual person you know as most people are and you in the way that you present yourself physically you know you you have an architectural background you're with Christian Dior so obviously you know presentation and branding and so people pay millions of dollars to advertise in prime time on a major network that's what you had you had millions of dollars basically of advertising time which is amazing and the show reruns and so that is wonderful yeah I don't know if you know I uh, went to South by Southwest right after my episode aired last February, so South by Southwest is in March, everybody down there was like, you're the cheeked girl, give me one of those cards. I was on the highway trying to find a, a pop-up yoga class somewhere, and someone rolled down their window at like 60 miles an hour, yelled out the window, <laughs> the sharks were wrong. I mean, you yeah. recognize me in Austin, Texas. So yes, there was a lot of personal brand recognition from that show, and 
this year I was flying down to South by Southwest and my episode is has made it onto the back of the seat of the JetBlue Airlines. That's so awesome. Everybody down there this year was like, I saw you on the plane. And then I flew JetBlue back and I saw myself on the plane. So I was Yay. tapping everybody in my row like, that's me. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So for people who are watching who don't know, tell them what happened in the room with the sharks after you did your presentation. Oi. <laughs> Oi. So every, everything awesome I said, they cut from the show. So I think they take it like, they saw it going downhill, so that's the way this episode was going to get run. But basically, I wanted Mark Cuban. He was my number one target. And I remember saying, I can change the population with this business. And he immediately threw his hands up and said, you're delusional, I'm out. And I felt like a sword had stuck me in the stomach. So then I started looking at the rest of them, and they're all just like, eh, no thanks. And... Then Kevin O'Leary starts doing his hands like this and starts oh. telling me one of those stories that he starts to tell. Mr. And Wonderful. Yeah. I just knew uh, something horrible was getting ready to come out of his mouth, and I shut my brain down. Like, I could not hear what he was going to say. I felt like I couldn't go forward with this positive energy. So I stopped listening. I zoned out, and there was a moment where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on national television. I've got to tune back in. Like, what if he asks something. me something? Anyway, he threw my cards up in the air. They went everywhere. They cut that from the show, thank goodness. But that was painful. I mean, yeah. it's like my kid, he's like throwing up into the air. And then lastly, so Barbara Corcoran, I guess it was kind of spacey at this point. I don't think she realized she was the last one. And I looked her in the eye and I'm like, Barbara, come on, you invest in people. And she said, she told me a story about her flower shop and how I was the right entrepreneur with the wrong idea. And then I realized they were all out and I could not walk off that stage without saying one more thing. So I sat there in silence, staring at them. And finally I looked them all like this and I said, trust you will all see me again. And of course they cut that. But then I turned around and walked off and I felt sick and I walked out to my producers and I said, I hope that was bad enough for television. I didn't care. Like I still <laughs> wanted on that show. Yes. And you know what? It was bad enough for television. <laughs> and it's re-aired like 20 times. I get hits from other countries and emails in other languages. So it, it's all been great since then. It has been, Lori, because the really awesome thing is that now you have relaunched. You took your brand and you evolved it into, you know, something else, you know, that I say that, you know, being a, an entrepreneur, spiritpreneur, as I call it, is not necessarily about the launch. It's about the relaunch and the rebound and the evolution of what it is that you're presenting. And so you're getting advertising now when people watch you and they Google and search, oh, cheek, they're going to be signing up for your app. And so, Lori, how did you deal with the profound feelings of rejection? That's what stops a lot of entrepreneurs and creative people in their tracks, that fear of, you know, looking foolish, the fear of rejection. And you literally faced that and had the tenacity to keep going. How, when you got home, how did you deal with that? How did you rebound? So I remember being kind of depressed after the whole thing. Like I didn't know what was going to happen, but I still had to wait. I guess it was four months after I filmed the thing until the episode aired. Actually, it was almost six months. So I, had, I couldn't tell anybody what had happened. Not a soul. 
And right. um, it was painful because I didn't know what was going to happen after the show aired. And I just was walking around with this big secret of doom and gloom, but I was still going to celebrate national television and everything there was behind that. So I ended up having a huge party the night it aired, February 28, 2014. Awesome. And uh, I invited 500 of my network and best friends and they all showed up and I remember they were all like, well, I know you must have gotten a deal if you're having a party. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so then we're all watching the segment. You know, I'd never seen how it got chopped together and it was insane watching it. And then I finally heard what Kevin O'Leary's story was because, you know, I hadn't listened to it when he was physically telling it to me. Right. So, we got a record-breaking number of visitors that night, and we had set up our servers not to crash, and I ended up going to bed, and then it hit in LA, which was a few hours earlier, so it was like one o'clock in the morning or whatever happened, and then our, our site crashed when it aired on the West wow. Coast, so that was a bummer, and I wasn't awake to deal with it, but then I woke up in a panic the next day thinking, <gasps> Last night was a shark thing. I had to see what had happened overnight in my inbox, my Twitter feed. It was insane. I think it took me a month to get it cleaned up, but 90% of the emails and tweets were all like, you go girl, this idea is awesome. You're ahead of your time. Whatever you do, don't give up. And then 10% were like pure evil trolls. Just you're stupid. And <laughs> I think 90% good is uh, outweighed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, because I always say about, you know, internet trolls, like if people are afraid of putting themselves out there for the tiny percent of people who don't have the guts to put themselves out there, you know, these people are generally anonymous idiots, you know, and this is you, your real name, your real face, your real life that's out there. And so you can't judge yourself by their opinions. And you know, somebody even wrote me, and, and this is this whole thing, like, you can be whoever you want on a keyboard. You know, that's the whole thing, even about my, my dating app. But some guy wrote and said, that bleach in your hair must have gotten into your brain to come up with such a stupid idea. I mean, some of them were so ridiculous. They, I, I mean, they were laughable. Like, yeah. who says stuff like that? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. thanks. <laughs> well, see, people don't realize when they see someone on TV that they're a real person. Right. You know, that this is a person, this is a flesh and blood heart beating person. But Lori, I have to say that, you know, in doing the research about you, you have always had this kind of get up and go spirit. How did, you know, like the, as soon as you graduated from architecture school, you packed up and came to New York City with nothing. And you said that your business partner said to you, this is ridiculous. No one that you're not going to get on Shark Tank. And your reaction was, I'm Lori Cheek. <laughs> Where does that come from? You know that book my mom always read uh, when I was little that about that train that says, I think I can. Little engine they could, yes. Yeah. So uh, I have always been very stubborn. And I seriously, when I say I don't do anything halfway, I never have. Um, you give me a Scrabble board, I will figure out how to dominate that game. Just anything. And I, think, I do think this stubborn characteristic of mine has come in super handy in building this business because in the end perseverance is really what makes for a successful entrepreneur in most mm -hmm. cases. I mean stubborn can go in the wrong way sometimes because there are moments where you need to realize when to quit or when to pivot and um, 
no um, one to hold them, I no chose, one to fold yes. them. <laughs> yes. So um, I don't know. I've always said everything I've been through, most people would have quit years ago when I had this card business. You know, I ran out of money. I ended up selling my Dior wardrobe. I sold my electronics. And I was doing all this crazy stuff to raise money. I rented my apartment out on Airbnb for 14 months. And I ran my business and my life out of a suitcase, sleeping with all my friends and uh, when they were out of town. So luckily, I had this keychain that looked like I was a super. So every time one of my friends would go out of town, I was in their apartment. So um, yeah, I just don't think a lot of people would have put their life in, in that kind of dire straits to uh, to keep a business going. And then even after the Shark Tank, getting brutally eaten alive on national television, there was something about that that fueled me to prove them wrong and to keep working harder. So uh, call me crazy, but it's, it's all going to lead to something one day. It is. It absolutely is. And as I say all the time, being in, you know, Creating your own path and making your own rules, being an entrepreneur may sound sexy, but it's not for the weak of heart no, at no. all. <laughs> <laughs> not for the weak of heart. What would you do differently if you were starting your journey from scratch with Cheeked? So, you know, I walked in circles with this idea, thinking I'm going to make it happen, but I really didn't know how to start a business. I mean, I was an architect no idea what I was doing. And I was out to a Mardi Gras party one night where I met these two guys and told them my idea. And they ended up saying, it's a great idea. We help people start businesses. So why don't we sit down with you at the Soho house and we can talk about getting on board and helping you bring this to life. So we met that following Monday morning and they became my partners from the very beginning. And ultimately these two guys both were business development background guys, and I didn't need two people with the same skill sets. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I didn't need that. I thought the more the people helping promote this thing. Anyway, I just think the one thing I would have done differently was getting the right board on, I mean, the, the right team on board, and that would have included someone with a technology background because in the end, my website was the the disaster of my business. I just kept getting bamboozled by web developers and that's where all my money ended up going. So if I had just had someone internally to help me build the site and make all the technology work behind it, I wouldn't have gone through half of what I've gone through. But in the end, I've learned so much from all these mistakes and now it's almost like I'm starting a new business and now I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Yes. You have a technology-related question coming in, Lori. And people, you can ask your questions by clicking the blue Q&A button if you are watching this live on the viewing page. This question is from Marvin S. And Marvin says, are apps the most lucrative way to start an online business? Everyone seems to start an app first. I definitely think that's the direction of where we're going anymore. I mean, I really think in the future that you know, desktops are going to be a thing of the past. And our, our cell phones are so mobile. I mean, you can do everything with them at this point. And um, yeah, I, I mean, mobile apps are the way of the future. With Beacon's technology, you can uh, walk by a store and it's going to tell you, oh, hey, <laughs> come in here. We've got free ice cream. I mean, it's just, it's, it's where we're all going. So yes, I definitely think mobile is, is the way to go in starting a business. 
Now, one of the things, Lori, that I thought was really interesting in your story is that you, even though, you know, you sold your wardrobe, which when I heard that, we're the same age, so I relate to you a lot. I was watching and you're like, I sold my Christian Dior wardrobe. I was like, oh my God. But, <laughs> but one of the things that was really interesting is that although you were, you know, basically kind of homeless, you know, living on your friend's sofas, that you were wise enough to feel like, okay, I'm going to invest in a Soho house membership so that I could be around the right people. And people always talk about, you know, they say it's who you know, and then I say, well, go get to know some people. People say that and then use that as a, a way to prevent themselves, you know, to count themselves out. Can you share with us what the thinking was behind that? So when I had my full-time career, when I was making almost 120K a year, I was a member of the Soho house. And then I took this entrepreneurial leap and I still had my savings to kind of pay that yearly fee. And then when I left my full-time job, the Soho house kind of became where I started working and making these connections. So it's where I spent my days. And then when I hit that wall and went homeless for a while, it was the one luxury I wasn't going to give up. I mean, that place is, it's so glamorous. I mean, you feel like you're walking into a, a London it's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's just super chic. So, um, you know, I'm like living on sofas and showering at the gyms and that was just the one place I was not going to give up no matter what. So I've just, I've been very creative about how to keep funding all of this and whether I've been walking dogs, watering plants, I've cleaned apartments, I've done everything. So part of all that money that I've made in a creative way has gone towards my membership. I'm now, still a member. <laughs> you're still a member. Yay. Yeah. So where, what advice would you give to someone who is maybe they have an idea and they have a great job and they're afraid they have the golden handcuffs. They're afraid to leave their job. They don't know when to quit their job and start their venture. Can you give some advice about that? I would say you should be scared because it's scary. And, you know, there was just something about me. I know myself very well and I knew somehow I could make this happen. And I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit spirit and I used to make jewelry and sell it in stores. I had a, a company called designs by Roxy and I was just, uh, this is while I was in college. And, um, I just think if you don't believe in yourself enough or the idea that you have or have the right people around you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend going out there and leaving your job. Like you need to have everything kind of lined up before you make that leap or, um, or some serious money or funding behind you because it, it's just, it's not easy. Did you create a savings plan before you left? Like, okay, I'm going to save up X amount of months or X amount of years before I quit my job. No, um, you know, when I was working full-time still, I was working on cheap full-time too. So I felt like I was cheating on my employer in a way. Like I would bring my laptop into work and put it in front of their huge Mac that they had for me. And they're all, they were always like, why are you bringing that little MacBook in here when you have this huge screen to work on? And I'm like, oh, because all my contacts are on here for my last job. It's just a lot easier. Anyway, you know, there was some guilt involved in that, but as an entrepreneur, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. This is like I've given birth to an invention and I'm not going to do this halfway. But then I realized I was barely even working and I, 
I just couldn't keep going. I had to I had to figure out if this was going to be my future or not. So I I did it. I mean, I had gotten a call from Oprah Winfrey Studio at one point wanting a deck of these cards and I thought I've got gold in my hands. There's something here. So I I left and that was uh, I guess almost 5 years ago. I remember reading about the Oprah people calling you and doing a pre-interview. Maybe you should send them some information about your new app. Tell us oh, your I Oprah will. story. Yes. Tell I us will, your definitely. she loves a comeback story. Tell yeah. us your Oprah journey, your Oprah story. Well, it's not that long because <laughs> they had written me an email and wanted me to call. So I called and uh, spoke to one of the producers and I sent them a deck of cheeked cards and um, then we had a quick interview. I sent them a headshot and she checked in with me with a few follow-up questions and then nothing ever happened. But, you know, they're looking for great stories all the time. So I think there's a very slim chance that you get on Oprah. And I remember I cried. Like I forwarded that email to my mom and I called her. I'm like, you gotta check your email. I can't believe this. But, you know, that was Three months in, I was I was delusional for sure back then, thinking I was going to be a millionaire because Oprah had called me. Because you know when you have that Oprah moment, you're golden. So uh. yes. <laughs> well, the cool thing about that, I think that people can take away with from that is that I think that it's really important to just put yourself out there. Because one of the things that I've realized when people ask me, "How have you been on all these TV shows or whatever?" is that what I tell people is that. TV producers, the way that a lot of them find people when it's not by referral or your manager or whoever, it's by Googling. So they Google, they search, uh, you know, whatever lifestyle expert or they go, they look at, you know, the indie press. So they watch this show. So somebody could be Googling and watch this show and be like, look at her. She's interesting. Let's book her for this. And so you want to just put yourself out there rather than just sitting home worried and afraid. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I take every advantage to speak in front of anything. I mean, it could be 10 people in a room. I say yes. I mean, unless I've got something bigger going on, I say yes to everything pretty much within reason. Yes. And I'll, I'll travel around New York City pitching, speaking. I've done a TEDx talk, which I was super nervous about. But yeah, I just think the more you do, the more chances you have. You don't know who you're talking to or who you're going to meet on your journey there. Now, how does business planning work for you, Lori? Do you use a business plan or mind maps or any goal-oriented systems? I have not really used anything very structured like that. I would say uh, my eye calendar is pretty much as far as a goal tracker as I get, but I'm very meticulous with this calendar. So if something's meant to be done by next Friday, it is on my calendar and it gets done. That's awesome. So you're not a person that gets bogged down, it sounds like, in procrastination or, you know, some of those self-sabotage things that mm -hmm. can come up? No, I've, you know, building this business for this long, you kind of can't play that game. <laughs> yeah, the procrastination yeah. game. <laughs> I was interviewing um, the phenomenal Kathy Cano Murillo. She is a crafts expert. Her stuff is sold in Michaels, etc. And she said, "I don't have time to procrastinate." Oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> Which I love as well. Now, tell us about because you know you mentioned 
the creative ways that you have been funding your business and you've been kind of doing um i remember once like a few years ago that my mom i got very upset at her this is about eight years ago that she told a family member she's like yeah she's doing odd jobs and i was like mommy don't tell people like i was like i felt like it sounded like i was like a grifter like you know <laughs> or something <laughs> can you share with us some of the ways that you've been funding your business yeah, you know, I'm actually super proud of what I've done and the ways that I would rather be doing this stuff because I'm ultimately working for myself. But, you know, I think the, the best way to make money is doing focus groups. So three times a day I get on Craigslist and I do a search for focus groups, research studies, um, app test. There's like 20 search terms that I look for and I look for it under jobs and then I look for it under gigs. And sometimes you can go get paid $300 in an hour to give your feedback on a credit card, for example. So that's better money than I was making per hour when I had a, a real job. And then I enter to win tons of contests. I do lots of inter Instagram contests, Twitter contests, and I win so many electronics. 